This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. So as I'm sure you know, next week is Tisha B'Av. Even if Mashiach comes, it'll be Tisha B'Av. But of course, when Mashiach comes, Tisha B'Av will be a day of feasting and not fasting. And so I'm going to share a couple of stories about Tisha B'Av. And hopefully this year, we'll be rejoicing with Mashiach here in the Holy Land, in the Holy City of Jerusalem. It was 1974, 5734, on the night of Tisha B'Av at the Holy Kotel here in Jerusalem. And anybody who's been to the Kotel and Tisha B'Av knows that many people gather there. They daven, they say kinot. When I was just becoming Baal Tshuva, I went with a group on Tisha B'Av, and we davened there. And I put a little mat on the floor and laid down next to the Kotel. And at some point I fell asleep, and it was only when the sun came up that I woke up. I slept right next to the Kotel. And the whole night people were saying kinot. The same thing on this night in 1974. The keynote are the lamentations that recount the destruction of the holy temples, which once stood very close to where the western wall is. And so there were hundreds of people walking around, all kinds of people, Svardim, Hasidic groups, Litvaks, tourists, all kinds of people were there, everybody following their own tradition, and each in their own way, grieving the loss of the holy temple. And suddenly there were two men who were laughing and hugging each other and crying tears of joy. And amongst all the people that were mourning the destruction of the temple, this was a bit of a surprising scene. But if they knew the story that I'm about to tell you, they would have understood why these two were so happy on such a sad night. When he was 12 years old, Chaim Shaya was living in Russia, and it was the early 1900s. parents hired for him a Torah teacher, a Malamid, to teach him Chumash and Mishnayot. And in order to encourage him to learn more and to be excited about his learning, Chaim Shaya's grandfather offered to give him a gift if he was able to memorize a certain number of Mishnayot. And that motivated Chaim Shaya. And when his friend, who was learning with him, Pinchas, told his grandfather that Chaim Shaya's grandfather offered to buy him a gift if he memorized a certain amount of Mishnayot, so then Pinchas' grandfather agreed as well. And so the two boys were promised a gift if they could memorize more Mishnayot. They took it seriously, and for weeks the two of them studied together. And finally the two of them came to their grandfathers, repeated by heart all of the Mishnayot that they had memorized. And the grandfathers were happy and gave each of them the gift that they promised. Chaim Shaya got a shiny new pair of boots for the winters in Russia. As everybody knows, people didn't have so much money back then. And to have a new pair of boots for the snow and the freezing cold mud was a very important thing. And Pinchas, he was given a new warm woolen sweater to keep him warm during the winter. And the two of them are walking around with their new gifts. Chaim Shaya with his new boots and Pinchas with his new sweater. And as they're walking around in the street, they see this poor orphan boy, Shaika, whose father had passed away several years ago. And he lived alone with his mother in a run-down apartment where the windows were broken and there was a hole in the roof and they barely had any money to buy food. 
to keep warm during the winter. And this poor boy, Shaika, had been wearing the same ragged clothes for more than a year. And Chaim Shaya and Pinchas, they see this poor orphan boy, who was a friend of theirs, and they realized how much they had and how little he had. And so the two of them decided that they were going to give their new gifts to Shaika. And so they go over to him and they say, Hey, Shaika, what do you think about these boots here? And he looks at them, he says, they're beautiful. Where did you get them? He said, actually, I got them as a gift. But they're not a gift for me, they're a gift for you. His eyes open wide. He said, really? You got a gift for me? And Chaim Shaya says, yeah, why don't you try them on? See how they fit you? And then Pinchas takes off his sweater. And he says, Shaika, I got you a sweater. I was just keeping it warm for you. And Shaika puts on the sweater in his new shoes. And he has a smile going from one side of his mouth to the other. And he thanks the two boys for the beautiful gifts that they gave him. And he heads home, not realizing what these gifts truly were. And he goes home and tells his mother what good friends he has. In the meantime, Chaim Shaya is standing there in the snow, in just his socks. And Pinchas doesn't have a sweater. And by the time Chaim Shaya got home to get his old pair of boots, he was already shaking and his toes were frostbitten. They turned blue from the cold. His mother was furious at him. First of all, he'd given away his boots. That was an expensive gift from his grandfather, from her father. And second, he got sick from walking around in the snow without shoes. A few days later, he got pneumonia. His mother was very upset. What are you going to do? Go to an orphan boy and take back the boots? So she let it go. It took a few weeks for Chaim Shaya to recover. And he and Pinchas went to their malamed. And they said, listen, we have a friend. His name is Shaika. He's an orphan. His father passed away. And we want him to come and learn with us. Can he learn with us? Now the malamed got paid for teaching. And he got paid for teaching Chaim Shaya and for teaching Pinchas. But nobody's paying him to teach Shaika. But the Malamed had compassion on the orphan boy, and he agreed that they could join the other two boys. And a few months after Shaika joined the learning, unfortunately, Hashem should save us from such things. His mother passed away, and now this boy didn't have any family. He didn't have any brothers or sisters. Now his parents had passed away. He didn't have any money. And Chaim Shaya comes home to his parents. They were the parents and five kids living in a small, crowded apartment. And he says to his parents, listen, you have to bring in Shaike. He doesn't have a family. He doesn't have anybody. We can't leave him on his own. But Chaim Shaya's father said, listen, our house is so full. We literally cannot squeeze another person in here. I'm not taking him. I'll give him some money to buy food and to help pay the rent on that small apartment. But he's not going to live here. And Chaim Shaya said to his father, but he's going to be all by himself. I mean, his mother passed away. How could we do that to him? But his father wouldn't agree no matter what. And Chaim Shaya didn't give up. He kept nagging his father. No, 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 no. And at some point, his father got angry. And he said to his son, listen, Chaim Shaya, if you want to live so much with Shaike, the two of you can move into the Ezad Nashim in the big synagogue. So the women's section in the big synagogue was used during the week for people that didn't have a place to stay, for beggars and people that were homeless in the Jewish community. And Chaim Shaya said, you know what, Tati? I am going to move in with him to the Ezad Nashim. And he goes over to Shaika and he says, Shaika, you and I are going to sleep on a mattress together in the women's section and we'll be together and I'll keep you company. And for many months, the two of them spent every night together in the women's section. Of course, during davening on Shabbos, they cleared it out. But come the rest of the week, they slept there again. And Shaika was so impressed with his friend, he thought to himself, who would give up a family and a comfortable home and food to live in this miserable place? With all these beggars and homeless people that had no place to go. He was so grateful. He didn't know how to thank his friend Chaim Shaya. 
and the two of them became very good friends. Of course, it was dark in the shul at night, and they would sit all night talking about the events of the day. They would talk about their futures and what they wanted to do, and eventually they'd fall asleep until the next morning they woke up. And this went on for many months, until, unfortunately, things changed in the world, and it seemed like World War I was about to start. Thousands of people fled their homes, looking for a safer place to be, and the shul was cleared out of everyone in the Azat Nashim. Chaim Shaya had to go back to his parents, and Shaika, his family, found somebody, a distant relative, and they sent him to live with them. The two friends said goodbye to one another, knowing they may never see each other again. And eventually, those relatives of Shaika's that were living somewhere distant in Russia, they moved to South America. And as he grew up, he learned to speak Spanish. And eventually he got married. Then he went into business and raised a family. And Baruch Hashem, poor orphan Shaika, became a very wealthy businessman. Chaim Shai, on the other hand, he decided to move to Jerusalem, to Eretz Yisrael, where he also got married and also had a family. And he also worked, but unlike Shaika, it was very hard for him to make ends meet. The poverty in Israel in those days was very excruciating. He struggled every day to make enough money to put food on the table. But he thanked Hashem for everything he had. He had a family, he had a wife, and he had the schut, he had the merit of living in the Holy Land. It was Chaim Shaya's tradition that he would go to Davin at the Kotel often, and especially on the night of Tisha B'Av. And so, as he usually did, came to the Kotel, he davened, he said Kinot. And it turns out that year, in 1974, Shaika had decided to make a trip to Eretz Yisrael, and he also decided on the night of Tisha B'Av that he would come to the Kotel to mourn the destruction of the Temple. And Shaika stood there listening to all the different voices, the different accents, and the different ways of pronouncing the davening. It was amazing to see all of Am Yisrael together at the Kotel, and it was amazing to see the tears of people crying for the Temple to be rebuilt and for Mashiach to come. And suddenly Shaika hears a familiar voice. It was a voice that he remembered from somewhere. It wasn't from South America. It was from someplace much earlier than that. He keeps hearing this distinct voice with a distinct accent, and he's looking around trying to see where it's coming from. And then he realized it was the voice of his old friend. He sees a man standing next to the Kotel reciting Kinot, and he goes and he stares in this man's eyes. The man, of course, didn't recognize Shaika, and he's upset that somebody's disturbing his davening, so he turns his head away, but Shaika kept staring, and he looked deeper into this guy's eyes until eventually the man couldn't daven anymore, and he turns toward Shaika, and Shaika looks him up and down from head to toe. He can't believe what he's seeing. He can't even get the words out of his mouth, but eventually he says, Slicha, Hashem Shalcha, Chaim Shaya? Excuse me, but is your name Chaim Shaya? The man looks up from his book of Kinot, surprised that somebody knows his name. He says, who are you? He said, your name is Chaim Shaya? He said, yeah, my name is Chaim Shaya. Who are you? But there was a lump in his throat and Shaika couldn't get the words out. And Chaim Shaya says, you have to tell me who you are. How do you know me? And then he says, I'm Shaika from Moscow. You remember the boy that you gave your boots to? That you moved in with me when my mother died to the Zat Nashim? And the two of them started shouting for joy. Unbelievable. They were hugging and crying and laughing. And the people around them didn't understand what was going on. Till Chaim Shaya said, This is my good old friend from Russia that I haven't seen in over 50 years. 
the people around them started crying their own tears of joy, sharing in the intense emotion of two old friends being reunited at the Kotel on the night of Tisha B'Av. And that night, Shaika and Chaim Shaya couldn't sleep. They spent the whole night talking about all the years they were apart. And of course, from that point on, Chaim Shaya and his family did not have to worry about not having enough money to make ends meet. Because every month, Shaika sends a check in the mail from South America to his good friend Chaim Shaya in Yerushalayim, who all those years ago had shared the warmth of his new boots and a frozen afternoon in the snow back in Russia. And the friendship they created stood the test of time and distance and remained until their last days. So I have a few very short stories, kind of anecdotes, vignettes about the ninth of Av, Tisha B'Av. One of them is well known. And it's attributed to many Rebbe's, the Rizhner, the Aptarav, it's Erev Tisha B'Av. And the Hasidim turn to their Rebbe and they say to him, Rebbe, it's not going to be easy to fast on the ninth of Av. And the Rebbe says, well, I'm not fasting. And the Hasidim said, really? The Rebbe is not fasting on the ninth of Av? And the Rebbe said, no, the Rebbe never fasts on the ninth of Av. So the Hasidim don't understand. They said, Rebbe, what do you mean? Everybody has to fast. He said, who can fast on Tisha B'Av? Because I'm so pained by the destruction of the temple and the exile of the Jewish people that I can't eat. So they said to him, Rebbe, do you also fast on Yom Kippur? And the Rebbe said, no, of course I don't fast on Yom Kippur. And they said, what do you mean, Rebbe? Everybody's obligated to fast on Yom Kippur? He said, on Yom Kippur, I'm so absorbed by the davening and talking with Hashem about all of my transgressions. Who could possibly eat on a day like that? Halavai that we should reach such a level that we could not fast on Tisha B'Av, but we just wouldn't be able to eat because of our pain over the destruction of the temple. My son, Natan Chaim, Shichye, he once said to me that in yeshiva they were talking about Tisha B'Av, and one of the boys said, what if I don't feel any pain for the destruction of the temple? What if I don't feel any connection to Tisha B'Av at all? And his teacher told him, you should be pained over not feeling pain for the destruction of the temple, and that in itself is something to fast over. So of course you know Tisha B'Av, we fast, we daven to remember the destruction of the first and second temples. And we also daven for the coming of Mashiach, who finally come to the land of Israel and bring the redemption. And the Book of Lamentations, which is called Kinot or Kinos, is recited every year. And every year, Rabbi Avraham of Cherkanov would buy a new copy of Kinot. And Tisha B'Av, after using the book, he would put it in the Geniza, into the place for putting documents that have Hashem's name on them. And he would say, I'm sure that next year Mashiach will come, and so I won't need this book anymore. And the Belzer Rebbe was spending Tisha B'Av in Lublin, and the Lubliner Rebbe told him not to fast, but to eat and drink as usual. Since the Belzer Rebbe was completely healthy and not feeling any reason not to fast, he didn't understand it. But since the Belzer Rebbe's Rebbe was the Lubliner Rebbe, he knew to listen to him even if he was fine. And so that Tisha B'Av, he ate as usual. And not long after returning home to Bells, he became very sick, and his sickness lasted a couple of months. 
And as Yom Kippur was coming, he asked his doctors if he was allowed to fast. They told him as long as he didn't fast during the last two months, he would be able to fast on Yom Kippur. And then the Belzer Rebbe understood that that was why the Lublina Rebbe told him not to fast on Tisha B'Av, because approximately two months after Tisha B'Av is the holy day of Yom Kippur. So it's my sincerest prayer, my sweetest friends, that really this year we don't have to fast. That's my prayer every year, because Mashiach will be here, and all the Jews will be together here in the Holy Land, where we merit to see it today. Amen! Amen, Amen brother! Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends, as always. I want to thank one of the new supporters of the podcast, Tamara and her son, Yochanan, from Mount Elemar, France. Thank you so much for your contribution and your lovely message. And anyone who'd like to send me an email, it's my first name and my last name at gmail.com. I'll be happy to hear from you. Or you can write to me on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever you find me. I'm always happy to hear from the listeners. And if you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, my sweetest friends, just go to my website and there's a link there. This is Become a Supporter. Thank you for your contributions and your comments and for sharing. And I hope you have a beautiful Shabbos and an easy fast. Zai gesund, my sweetest friends. Take care. Lechaim!